Good evening and welcome to the Desert Politics Podcast. I'm Fran Nielsen and today is the, what date is it? The Wednesday, the 27th of March. Um, it's just about to go eight o'clock, so honestly by the time this comes out, <clears throat> who knows what will have happened, but the Prime Minister has just announced that she will um, not to see Brexit through the next stage of negotiations and she will resign. And we have Tory spineless... MPs who previously opposed the withdrawal agreement in meaningful votes one and two now saying they will support it in meaningful vote three even though nothing about the deal has changed just the person who's conducting the negotiations so as you can probably tell I'm quite annoyed about that this episode will end up being it'll be somewhere between a 10 minute take and a full bone episode because um we've had quite quite a lot of people asking us where have our pods been which is completely fair a lot has happened in the last two weeks and we've only put out a 10 minute reaction to Theresa May's very non-event of a speech last week basically uh Katie is a full-time student uh doing a law degree which I mean I didn't do law um my experience of law students is that they really like to tell you that they study law but apart from that they don't actually like studying law because it's a lot of reading and it's quite tedious so she has a lot of work going on and uh, she's on holiday actually in Europe um and I don't know how to do a lot of the editing so we have we do have an episode that we recorded last week but to be honest we might take the executive decision and not put it out because it's so far after I mean it was out of date 10 minutes after we finished recording it um and we, it might just not make sense to put that out anymore. So on that note, we are going to be changing the format of how we do these pods. We're hoping to record twice a week, but put out two half an hour episodes each week, which is much easier to record. Because at the moment we have, um, when we do an hour episode, we record for maybe an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes three. And it takes a whole 24 hours to edit that. Um, so we're hoping to maybe streamline that process a bit more and then we'll be more up to date, we can put out more content and when you listen to us you're not trying to remember all the events that have happened in between when we're speaking and when you're listening to us. So on that note, this uh, episode is a little bit of a, it's it's like a 10 minute take in that I'm approaching the subject of why I marched because on Saturday there was the, um, in case you somehow missed it, there was the Put It To The People March in London. Over a million of us marched. I'm sure some of you will want to counter that, but they were over a million, and unless you're some conspiracy theorist and don't believe the words of both the police, the organisers, people who are on the march, shops along the way, TFL, um, then, well, if you're Nigel Farage, you know, how's your march going? Um, So it's a little bit of a 10 minute take like that, but it's also a little bit of a rant and I'll try and do my best to, as I go along, to kind of update you all with the little Brexit updates that you would get had we managed to put out (coughs) a big pod, which I mean really there needs to be, (sighs) I could dedicate a feature length film to Brexit just from the last two weeks. So we'll see how it goes. I've written a script for maybe half of what we talk about so if it gets to the point where it then suddenly sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about or I've gone off piste that's because I didn't get around to finishing off my script um so it's a classic you know fan preparation night so let's go and hopefully we'll get this out by tomorrow if not tonight so I'm on my own here Katie hope I do you proud okay I have said this before and I will say it again now. I do not think a second referendum is a good idea for the following three reasons. 
Firstly, in a country that is already polarised, with no apparent middle ground, for which I fully blame Theresa May, putting the question of the UK's membership of the EU to the people for a second time won't do much to heal tensions. I mean, it went so well the first time. The UK was not ready for a referendum the first time round, um, and... You know, it was so not ready that somehow we managed to accept the result of a referendum in which one of the campaigns broke the law. Um, Brexit campaign vote leave has been fined and referred to the police and then had its um, uh, its fines held up in court uh, on more than one occasion. Um, they've been rejected uh, by various different uh, county courts for... Their appeals of, uh, commission, the, of the Electoral Commission's findings in relation to the EU referendum campaigning activity. Uh, they committed multiple offences, including um, including uh, overspending campaign limits and manipulating data and being aided and abetted by social media companies to target people which may have just pushed the, the win over the line because at the end of the day, it was a narrow result for the referendum. <clears throat> so... We didn't know how to handle the first referendum, let alone a second referendum. Not necessarily the best idea in the world. Secondly, I also don't buy into the implicit argument of the People's Vote campaign that in a second referendum, a Remain option would win. Since 2016, I think it has been excruciatingly obvious that leaving a mistake is a mistake because of how painful these exit negotiations have been and what an expensive distraction they have been from actual policies and progress we as a country could be making. More on this later. I've just watched the news and I'm very angry. Um, it is also apparent that any form of Brexit, but particularly a no-deal Brexit, will leave us worse off. Those are arguments against leaving the EU. But these are not arguments for remaining in the EU. That's a slight, you know, there is a nuanced difference between those two things. And I don't believe in the three years since the referendum we have got any better at making those cases for the EU. Katie and I are, of course, guilty of this too, and so will this podcast episode be. But it's hard at times to defend the EU. It does seem like it's enormously bureaucratic and that's not the most glamorous thing in the world to stand up for. When it comes to identity, even though for me this this kind of clinches it, but economics cannot be relied on to persuade arguments. To use one of my favourite examples, which is obviously going to be from Northern Ireland, I'm nothing but predictable. Um, During the Troubles, plenty of those from Northern Ireland who would identify as Irish would have voted to join the Republic as a united 32-county island if given the opportunity to do so. In doing this, they would have inevitably made themselves worse off financially. This was in the days before the Celtic Tiger and the subsequent crash. (laughs) And by leaving the UK, they would have also lost access to the NHS and other benefits of the welfare state, which back then was working really well and not a lot of other countries really clocked on to. But none of that is really the point. Nationalism and identity politics isn't black and white enough to be swayed by mere economic arguments. Uh, Finally... The way some politicians have branded the People's Vote campaign as a socialist campaign makes me really uncomfortable. And not because I'm someone turned off by socialist ideals, because I'm not fully, but I am not a socialist. And, you know, this is a long and complex issue I really don't want to get into now because that's not the point and we don't have the time. We can approach this on another day, but labels in general are not helpful. That's a shout out to my dad. He'll know what I'm on about. Um, But the point is, if I'm turned off by the label socialism and a socialist campaign, and I'm, you know, reasonably left-wing, 
It makes me question if the campaign is putting off others who may support the cause of remaining in the EU, but identify as Conservative, or even just those like my family, and Katie's family, and me included, who don't like Jeremy Corbyn. The insistence of some people's vote campaign is to defend Jeremy Corbyn, who has been the lukest of lukewarm on the issue of a second referendum, while repeatedly referring to second referendum supporters as comrades is, in my view, deeply unhelpful. The issue of remaining in the EU and campaigning for that transcends party lines, and I don't think it's impossible for a second referendum to appeal on a cross-party basis. But that's not going to happen or improve, grow, expand, rather, because, after all, we did have Dominic Grieve, who is old-school Tory through and through, sharing a stage with Corbynites at the People's Vote March back both in October and the one just the other day. But we're not going to grow beyond where we are currently if the narrative is perceived as only belonging to the far left. In contrast to this, I don't actually have an issue with the People's Vote campaign giving a platform to anti-racism activists, particularly anti-Islamophobia and climate change activists. It's not a leap to see how the Vote Leave campaign was tinged with racist narratives about immigration. And let us not forget that incredibly offensive billboard unveiled by Nigel Farage, which showed a queue of mostly non-white migrants and refugees with the slogan, Breaking Point, the EU has failed us all. I think this is going off piece a little bit here, but... We must never forget that 2016 was very different to the context we live in now in that it was shortly after the uh, 20, summer of 2015 and then going into 2016 was the what can be referred to as the refugee crisis. Um, I actually ended up writing my dissertation, undergrad dissertation on it. And, you know, it was the way it was perceived and the way it was written about in the media. And, I mean, the UK didn't even have the worst of it. I mean, it was Germany... Um, Hungary, countries towards the east of Europe, Greece, um, that really dealt with the the the, the bulk of that. Um, but we have to remember that that context is very different to what we have now. And so these racist narratives that came out, um, still unacceptable then and now, but you can see how they came about more so in 2016 than they necessarily would now. In addition to that, we have former Foreign Secretary and ardent Brexiteer MP Boris Johnson, who has just announced that he will support the Prime Minister's withdrawal agreement because she's going, so, you know, top work, Boris, Um, who peddles anti-Islamic speech with remarks that Muslim women in burqas look like bank robbers and letterboxes, which dehumanises them as well as associating them with crime but then comments that the recent terrorist attack in New Zealand, which left 50 dead and another 50 injured, was driven by nothing but hatred, seemingly unaware that his own comments fall into that very category, albeit far less extreme. So, you know, I'm not saying Boris Johnson's comments caused the deaths of all those in New Zealand, but his comments are on the same scale as those which drives the ideology of those people who commit those acts. As for the climate change activists, I'm nothing but proud and in awe of the student strikers across the globe who are standing up for the planet and demanding action from political leaders. In awe because up until I started my undergrad degree aged 19, I wouldn't have ever dreamed to break the rules or protest against the status quo. During 14 years of state education, I never once had a detention or as much as a verbal warming from a teacher. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's me. I'm a goody to goody t-shoes. I always have been. 
Um, but climate change is the single greatest issue facing our world, and the resulting devastation of food security-induced conflicts, violence over access to water, and climate change refugees will be like nothing we've ever had to deal with before. You thought we had a refugee crisis previously, just you wait until they're climate change-induced. And the biggest problem that we will face with that is that the UN definition of a refugee does not allow for those who have been forced out of their homes and their countries because of climate change. And the EUN, if you want to know what an inflexible international organization is like look no further than the un they will not be changing that definition anytime soon so if you want to stop people coming to your country and coming to your country illegally because if they're not able to claim refugee status that is what they will be doing then maybe we should take action on climate change maybe that is when we'll actually reach breaking point nigel farge um now I personally don't think the Paris Climate Agreement goes far enough and we aren't even on track to meet those targets currently. Tackling climate change is going to take a genuine global concerted effort and cooperation. I'm looking at you here, Trump, so maybe you would uh, you know, put the US back into that agreement. And if there's anything that symbolises cooperation between nations for common goals, it is the EU. Regardless of whether you think they do it well or not, the European project is about cooperation, it is about peace and it's about prosperity and working together. The older generations got us into this mess with the climate change issue and admittedly the science wasn't there to tell them the damage they were doing, although I do find this excuse somewhat flimsy as in 1896 Swedish scientist and Nobel laureate Savant Arrhenius, don't quite know how to say that name, apologies to my <laughs> Swedish friends, uh, first calculated the greenhouse effects caused by carbon dioxide emissions. But choosing to ignore the evidence now, let alone in the 1900s when it was there, is unforgivable. So those objections to the People's Vote campaign and that little segue into climate change, which actually maybe everyone could just do Meat Free Monday, that would be really helpful in tackling climate change. Um, let's get to the actual point. This Saturday just passed, uh, the 23rd, for the second time in six months, I took to the streets of London to march for a second referendum. And I don't think a second referendum is a good idea. But it is the best option available. Even if, a even if a second referendum went on to produce the result of leave with the Prime Minister's deal, which I wouldn't exactly be campaigning for. But you know what? If that's what the country voted for, thank goodness, at least we finally have some direction. This was part of the problem with the first referendum. You never vote on something when you don't know what you're voting for. And so this is why the Prime Minister could actually, you know, she could actually get her withdrawal agreement through the House of Commons um, with the help of a second referendum, because I actually don't think Remain would win currently as it stands, because I don't think we've really done enough of a job convincing people that Remain is a good idea. Um, but this is the issue. We live in a representative democracy. We elect MPs to make decisions on our behalf because they are the, the ones who have the job that allows them to have the time to be informed about decisions, to debate decisions, to have the evidence presented to them and then make changes and laws in our favour based on the facts before them, which we don't have enough time as people with our day-to-day -day lives to get on with. We don't have enough time, we don't have the interest or maybe the intellect to, not suggesting everyone's stupid, that's not where I'm going with this, but we don't, we don't necessarily have the, the time and energy to learn about all these issues that MPs have to vote on. And it is everything that affects your day-to-day -day life that MPs uh, vote on. 
And so this is a problem that we live in a representative democracy and one of the most complex questions, which has divided the Conservative Party ever since we joined the European Union, um, was put to the people. And I don't think it was ever really explained what was being put to the people or what, what, what could possibly be taken away from the people if they did vote to leave, which they did. And so we're up in this position. Sorry, I'm just going to lie down here. Yes. Oh, there we go. So we end up in this position where the Parliament is actually, it's, it's the majority of MPs in Parliament voted to remain. They supported a Remain campaign. And so you end up with a Parliament who wants to obey the will of the people, whatever that may mean, and uh, exit us from the EU, but they know that leaving the EU isn't in the national interest of the country. And so you do have MPs who are voting for the deal because... They want to respect the will of the people, even though they know it's a bad idea. You then have those who refuse to vote for the deal because they know it's a bad idea and they want to protect the national interest, which is not leaving the EU. And then you have those who really, really don't think the withdrawal agreement goes far enough and want some form of harder exit from the EU. And so they're refusing to vote for it as well. So what you do is you have this mess here where you have all these different groups of MPs who think they know what's best for the people or interpreting the people's vote, that's an unfortunate phrase, who are interpreting the result of the 2016 referendum in such a way that we're in this mess where there isn't a majority for anything. Now, tonight, a mere two days, three days before we were due to leave the EU, and uh, by which point we need to decide if we're leaving with no deal or with a deal, which then depends on if we leave no deal on April the 12th or if we leave... Uh, with a deal on May the 22nd. But tonight MPs are voting on a series of eight different motions, which are sort of Brexit options, to try and figure out what it is that MPs exactly want. Now, we've had two years to do this, and we're doing it now. I am furious. Why, why, why was this not done years ago? to find out what Parliament actually wanted, to find out what Parliament would support, to find out what Parliament won't support, to find that cross-party compromise. And Katie's done an excellent Twitter thread. I think she must have been annoyed about something, but she's done an excellent Twitter thread explaining just exactly where everything has gone wrong. And there's been a lot of stuff circling on Twitter today as well in that, and we've talked about it before, but that a leave result of 52% was interpreted as the whole country wants Brexit, despite the fact that two of the four, two of the four countries in the union actually voted against Brexit, and three out of four are now also against it. Um, but that 52% leave result was interpreted as we want the hardest possible Brexit, the UK wants Brexit, Remain no longer matters. And a lot of people do bring up that, you know, if Remain had won then Lee would have expected been expected to shut up and go away forever. And, you know, that's probably fair. We would have we probably would have said that. But at the same time, a remain result there was no way a remain result, especially one of fifty two percent, was going to be interpreted as the people wanting full fledged EU membership, you know, going for the most possible integrated EU membership. Our membership of the EU was already pretty pretty much a compromise in that we got all the perks, but we also didn't participate in the Eurozone, we didn't participate in Schengen, you know, so we weren't ever fully in, which is also part of the problem of, you know, why why we got into this mess anyway. 
but also it was to satisfy Tory infighting, basically. Thank you, David Cameron. This is this is the thing, and you know, I'm I'm just it might not be the most convincing argument in the world, but I'm furious at how much time Brexit is taking up. And the resources, the time and energy, the resources, and this is gonna drag on for years, even, uh, well, if we crash out with no deal, which I actually don't think is going to happen now, I think the Prime Minister's withdrawal agreement is probably going to get through on a third meaningful vote on Friday. Um, But the things we could have been accomplishing, but even if we do leave with the deal, it's still years of negotiating our future relationship together, it's then years of signing up with uh, trade agreements, and, you know, the evidence is there that every form of Brexit will leave us worse off, even a managed Brexit with a deal where everything goes according to plan, whatever the plan is. And now it's looking like we're going to have a new Prime Minister within maybe the next three months. And that's going to take time. And whoever that will be will also be drinking from the poison chalice that is being Prime Minister during the Brexit negotiations. But I was just watching the TV before I uh, came up here to record this. Whilst I was eating my dinner and Channel 4 did this... uh, little little segment on issues that have been going on whilst MPs have been debating Brexit and I'm furious. We have massive issues in this country and I've talked about Northern Ireland's before quite a lot <laughs> and you know go back and listen to to previous big pods on that if you want to know more especially about the state of education. Um, but we have huge rates of poverty in this country we have massive issues with uh the um universal credit scheme we have huge huge issues facing our nhs which is understaffed underfunded but also not just underfunded but the way the whole system structure of the way it's funded is not fit for purpose anymore um we have massive issues facing us like the fact that one in two of us will get cancer in our lifetimes and we don't really have an effective strategy for countering that and actually we should be pumping far more money into prevention and one of the best ways to do that is to give more money to councils and get them into you know schemes that are about healthy living and (sighs) the, the way cities are planned the way towns are planned to promote cycling to work and walking to work and promoting exercise and promoting going to your market and local market and buying fruit and veg you know all those things and yet we have councils having their budgets slashed to to massive extent and all of this is going unnoticed and the fact that we also have people who live in the most deprived areas of the country if you are a man living in one of the most deprived areas of the country you will die on average nine years earlier than those who live in the most uh wealthy areas if you're a woman it's seven and a half years so you know we have big issues to be dealing with and we're not addressing them because everything is taken up with brexit and you know in my mind it's got to the point where it's like just revoke article 50 just do it let's get on with it but you can't do that because brexit was never the result of mps voting for it it was the result of the people it was the result of 17.4 million however many of you there were who said this is what they wanted, so you can't just revoke something like that, which is why the only way out of it is to put it back to the people. And even if that results with a leave 
result, at least we know what kind of leave they mean. They want the Prime Minister's deal, that's it. MPs can then no longer interpret the will of the people however they like, because the will of the people will have been for a specific, objective, actual thing that had already been agreed. I have no idea how long this has been now, and I've kind of burped and coughed and run out of breath on my way through it, and I really need to go and wash my hair. But uh, that's it for me, everyone. Um, I'm dreading to turn on the news and see what's happened with these amendments, or if the Prime Minister's still clinging on, or who's announced that they're suddenly going to vote for the deal. I don't even want to look, but this has been rambling in places and I hope it's made sense I hope it's kind of convinced someone um I'll probably send it to Katie and check that I'm not <laughs> talking complete rubbish um but yes Katie and I will be back with a big pod hopefully soon um and the big pods will only be half now but that's all for me have a good evening good week whenever this will come out i don't know what's relevant anymore um but yes thanks very much everyone oh and you can find us on twitter at desert politics no hang on that's not it at desert underscore politics and you can find us on instagram at desert politics pod um please send us your thoughts your comments your predictions your memes we like a good meme your gifts um and We'll maybe give you a shout out if you if you do those things. Always happy to hear from people. So yeah, bye everyone.